0: Our scripture reading today is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 24, to chapter 2, verse 25. So I think you're probably on the first or second page of your pew Bible there, if you don't have a Bible. And uh, that's Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 24 together. And God said, let the land... Make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. God saw all that he had made and it was very good, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, but there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he had put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow and out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden, and from there it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It's, it winds through the entire land of Havalia, where there is gold. The gold of land is good. Aromatic, aromatic resin, and oxen are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the name And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and Eve were, uh, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is the word of the Lord. Ooh. So today, we are starting a new series in the book of Genesis. The passage that I just read, we are not going through all of it today, uh, so fear not. We are not unpacking all of that, but we will be spending the next, I think, uh, four or five weeks in this passage in Genesis, starting a series called Image of God. And so we're going to jump in today. Uh, This past summer, my girls were both in a circus camp, Um, and so they went to this circus camp, they learned how to tumble, and uh, they learned different things. Each of them were able to pick kind of one circus skill. Uh, not the trapeze or like putting your head in a lion, not quite that extreme, but uh, they were able to, one of them picked to work on the silks, which is like a long piece of uh, cloth, and you twist yourself around and do all these things, and the other one was a hoop that's also off the ground, and you play on that. And so all week long, they kind of focus on this one area, and together they're kind of just building some skills. He knows you, and he values you. He's He doesn't pick one over the other. He has infinite love and he's able to look and he's able to see what you're doing. He's able to see how you change. But more than that, God loves you so much that throughout your entire life, he lavishes good things on you. He causes the sun to shine. He causes the plants or the water to come down. He causes us to be fed. He gives us breath. God lavishes common grace on all of humanity because all of humanity is important and loved by God. They are the pinnacle of his creation. But more than just lavishing this common grace, God also pursues each and every one of us because what we're going to see in this passage is that God doesn't just love us, he wants to be in relationship with us. He wants us to know him And he wants to be known. And this is the beauty of creation. This is why every human being possesses dignity and priceless worth. Because every human being is created in the image of God. They are created to glorify God. And they are created to enjoy relationship with God. And so that's where we get to look today. This is the central part. So if you, um, I know some of you like to joke that when I preach you fall asleep. So if you want to fall asleep, that's fine. Just know this, that God loves you so much and desires to be in relationship with you. That he created you in his image. And because of that, you are unique and special. That image has been marred by sin. But God has sent his son, Jesus, the perfect image. To love you, to die in the place for your sins so that you can be in right relationship with him. So you can love God. And what we're going to see in this passage that ultimately loving God and realizing that we're created in the image of God means that we also love each other. That we love others who are created in the image of God. That we see that they possess dignity, that they possess priceless worth simply because they are created in the image of God for no other reason, not because of their status, how much money is in their bank account, how many social media followers they have, whatever you've achieved, where you're living, if you, all of those things. You have priceless value because you are created in the image of God. We have, in our own statement of faith, we kind of lay this out as well, and we talk about, in our statement of faith, you can see it on our website, about how humanity is important. We say, We believe that God created humanity in his own image to glorify and enjoy him forever. We believe that because we were created in the image of God, we were created to work, to be creative, to care for and cultivate the earth. And we're going to talk about some of those things in this series coming up, about work and relationships and marriage being created, male and female, all of these different things. But today, we're going to talk about how we also believe that we are made in the image of God. And the value, dignity, and personhood of human life comes from God. He knits us together in our mother's wombs and numbers our days according to his will. And so that's what we're looking at today. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 is where I'm focusing today. So don't worry about everything else right now. And it says this God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all creation that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now as we jump into this passage, the idea here is image of God. In Latin, it's imago Dei. You've probably heard that before. It's from the Latin translation of scripture. Uh, Amago Dei is image of God and so we are created in the image of God up until this point in the creation story if you've read it before we didn't go right back to the beginning but there's this um, rhythm as God is creating and you'll know that in the beginning God created and then as it goes down it says and God said let there be and there's this pattern this rhythm Verse 6, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters and the sky. Verse 9, and God said, let the water under the sky gather. And then verse 11, and God said, let the land. And God said, let there be, let there be, let there be. And 10 times up until this point in scripture, it's that same kind of uh, rhythm. Let there be. And God just declares these things. But there's a quick shift and a very dramatic change at verse 26. Verse 26. And for the first time, Jesus changes those wordings of let there be and let there be. And he says, let us. And he changes it. It's not just declaring and and speaking forth that these things should be. All of a sudden, there's this change. And in verse 26, it says, then God said, let us. Let us make mankind in our image. And the idea there, we just finished our Trinity series, and uh, you know there's lots of debate on what the original hearers of this passage would have understood when it says, let us make mankind in our image. The, the, the short of it is, when we're on this side of the cross, when the true and full mystery of Christ has been revealed, we fully understand that let us make mankind in our image is the idea there that the Trinity that we were created through the Trinity. The Trinity spoke us and created us into being. That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, together in eternity past, spoke like created us. That's what we see right here. And so, as this goes on, it says, Let us make mankind in our image. You know, as it, if you jump ahead in Genesis a little bit to Genesis chapter 5 verse 3 it's this idea that God has taken his image and passed it on to us now obviously the big question is how does God pass on his image to us now there are volumes and books and all these things that you can read and study on what exactly what is that one or many particular parts of the image of God that have been passed on to us How do I, or how am I, made in the image of God? What are those exact kind of things? Is it my intellect? You know, is it my holiness, my righteousness, the idea of knowing right from wrong? Is it my looks or your looks? You know, what is it that separates us or what is it that makes us in the image of God? And, you know, there's lots of uh, debate over all these things, but at the end of that discussion and kind of jumping down, is that God has made us in his image, and if you've ever, uh, I don't know if you've ever, like, made a landscape, or you take a picture and you printed up something, or if you've seen a statue before, a statue is made to resemble something, right? A picture, if you take it, and you have it, everybody has a camera now almost, um, that image reflects what you took an image of. It's supposed to... um, depict clearly what it was. If I were to paint a picture or if you were to paint a picture of me, um, if it was a good picture, uh, for future generations they would see that it resembles who I am and maybe you could pick me out of a crowd, right? And so the idea here is that God's creation were made to resemble him in all that they are, in all of the ways that they're made. God has made us to ins- in many ways reflect who he is, who his image is. And up until this point, you know, God hasn't made anything in his image. The only thing he has made in his image, this is where the break is, is us, is his creation, human beings. And because of that, because we're made in his image, in the image of God, God who is perfect and holy and righteous, we have value. He has set us apart. Over and above all of the other creation, he has made us unlike all other animals, and he has set us forth, created us to display his glory. So as we continue on in this passage, what I want us to see is that we are created in the image of God, but one of the interesting and unique things that Genesis reveals to us about us as being in the image of God, is that he has also placed us in relationship with him. You see that in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where there's this ongoing dialogue, this, this amazing reality that God created us to reflect and, and be um, little image bearers of him, and we'll talk about that in a sec. But he didn't just create us and said, go run around like the squirrels and the raccoons and jump into garbage cans and all of those kind of things. He uniquely created humans to be in relationship with him. We see them walking in the garden together. We see them talking together. We see them interacting together. God is um, intimately concerned with their their well-being. He lavishes them with good things. Even after the fall, his first act of grace to them is to create clothes for them. Right, we heard at the end there. They felt no shame. They were naked after the fall. They feel shame and naked. God doesn't just create us, me and you, and all of us, and all the people in the world, and He just says, "Go run and be free, yay!" You know, when you take your goldfish and you're done with it and you let it free in the wild, um, you know, He doesn't just do that. God says, "I have created you, and I want to be in relationship with you." You are made in my image, and I want to be in relationship with you. Um, we recently finished our study in the book of Ecclesiastes as well, and uh, in there there's a verse in Ecclesiastes 3.11 that just talks about how God has placed eternity in the hearts of mankind. God hasn't placed eternity in the hearts of animals. He didn't place it in my dog Winchester. My dog Winchester, <laughs> You know, dogs just follow whatever is going on. They're not thinking, uh, I like to think that they know more than they do, but they don't. God placed eternity in our hearts. Dogs aren't pursuing a relationship with God. God's not pursuing a relationship with them. He is pursuing a relationship with us. And he has made us to pursue a relationship with him as well. And so every single human being has been made in the image of God, to be pursuing him. God pursues those who bear his image, right? That's why he's pursuing them, because we are called to reflect well what his image is, to portray him well. And so the next part is, we were created to reflect and portray the image of the creator. I talked about this a little bit already, and the idea is like a mirror, or you you could talk about a statue. Um, Many commentators have talked about Given this example, John Piper and Timothy Keller. And they just talk about how an image, as I said, is a representation of something, right? It's a representation. A statue is a representation. It's supposed to remind us, and it's supposed to have the likeness of the person, and it's supposed to remind us of their greatness. Now, if you think about that, that we as humans were created in the image of God to bear his image, We were called to bear his image to represent him. Who are we representing him to? To himself, to the world around us, to everybody? Could you imagine if we, now, we're going to get to a part here because we know that we were created in the image of God before sin entered the world, right? Sin does enter the world. We're going to get there, and it doesn't wreck and completely destroy the image of God. Genesis 5, 3 talks about how children were born in the image of God. We'll talk about um, in the New Testament how when we use our words, it mars the image of God. So the image of God still exists in us after the fall, but God calls us to bear his image. We're supposed to be bearing his image. We're supposed to be accurate representations of who he is. Accurate representations of who he is for the world around us, to reflect his character, to reflect the things that he cares about. Now, if you think about that, there's like 8 billion people on the earth right now. If all of us loved God, were in right relationship with him, were redeemed by Jesus, could you imagine 8 billion people reflecting and showing the glory of God, being in right relationship, depicting his creativity, depicting um, his love, his grace, his mercy, Now we know sin has entered that and wrecked that, and it doesn't look like that. It looks like fighting. It looks like death. It looks like not valuing humanity who are created in the image of God. But God called us to represent Him well. Being made in the image of God means we cannot create our own glory. So me and you, we don't have glory in and and of ourselves. We are created in His image. The only glory that we have is given by him. We have to reflect the glory that he has given to us. And if we don't, if we don't try to find glory, if we don't try to find purpose and meaning in our life by looking to our creator and realizing that he has made us, then we're going to look to the, the creation that God has made for our meaning and for our purpose and to reflect glory. And by doing that, We're going to be looking for human approval. We're going to be looking for approval in, you know, our jobs and our professional successes and all of these other things. We're going to be looking for significance based on what we do. Our value is going to be based on what we have accomplished, what we do, what we have acquired. But God says, you have value and dignity and priceless worth because you're created in my image. And so he calls all of us... The number one rule to love God, right? That's what, what's the chief purpose of man—to glorify God, to love God. We are called as image bearers, ultimately, to find our glory, to find our purpose, to find our meaning in reflecting His image, not in making, um, not in making uh, these things for ourselves or finding. Uh, significance in all these other things, because then we're basing our value in the things that we achieve and things that can be lost. Our human dignity is given to us by God. Now, as I mentioned, the image of God has been distorted in our lives. We know this. Sin enters the world. The image of God has been distorted in us in so many ways. Uh, through the fall, um, Jesus came. It. Re- we are reminded in Scripture, Colossians chapter 1, that the fall came and the image of God was distorted in us. But the hope for us today is that though there are 8 billion people in this earth created by God to reflect his glory, they don't. They don't, but there is a hope to return our, our purposes, to, to return to loving God the way we should. And that hope is in Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says... That Jesus, the Son of God, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, uh, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him uh, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him through Jesus to reconcile himself to himself all things whether things in heaven or things on earth by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the hope that we have though the image of God in us has been marred it's been wrecked Colossians reminds us that Jesus sent his son Jesus to be the perfect image bearer for us so that we can put our hope in him. That that relationship that God is pursuing with us and then that he is pursuing with us that is made complete by Jesus' death on the cross. That his blood shed for our sins redeems us, it reminds us, it shows that we can then be in right relationship with God. And when we are in right relationship with God, then we can uh, more fully understand and appreciate that every human being possesses dignity, that God created each of them in his image, that every human being is worth, is priceless, that every human being is created to glorify God and to be in close relationship with him. As we, this passage, as we think about the image of God in humanity, it also gives us dignity and intrinsic value. And now, so the Bible says that every human being is made in the image and the likeness of God. And so, every human being is made to reflect God's image, you know? No other thing in creation really reflects it the same. Rocks aren't called to reflect the beauty in the same way of who God is. They're not made in the likeness of God. They are created by God, but they don't reflect his intrinsic qualities, being made in the image of God separates humanity from the rest of creation. Humanity is the pinnacle of all that God created. We're called to be image bearers, meaning that all of humanity, all children, the little children that ran out here, uh, you know, the new baby that was just born to our congregation um, just this week, whether in the womb or out of the womb, all adults are. However old, all men and women, all ethnicities, all people groups, all able-bodied and disabled people, all incarcerated and free, have inherent and equal value and worth. Humans do not earn their dignity is what this means. They don't earn it through their work. You don't earn it through your positions. Rather, dignity and value are given to each of us by God. So human dignity impacts obviously not just how we see ourselves but the golden rule love god and love others right god has created us in his image not just to love him and be in relationship with him but to be in right relationship with each other as well to value human life because he values human life because value life is because because human life is made in the image of god we're not called to mar the image of god We're called to love and respect him above everything else. And so we are called to love each other here. Human dignity impacts how we treat other people. Since all people are made in the image of God, they all deserve to be treated with dignity. That that image that God has put on everybody affords. And so um, this belief affects our view of how society responds to human needs. To those who are sick, imprisoned, bereaved, poverty stricken, defenseless. As Christians, we should seek to shape the world around us to preserve human dignity. Now, I know that in our society today, that path forward of upholding human dignity is hard. It's not clear, and it's not straightforward. Um, Because to the world around us, the value and rights of everybody is held in higher regard than the fact that God has created all people in his image. And so, everything that we do, we have these rights, but God has given dignity to humanity. What we're reminded is that God loves everybody. It doesn't matter where you grew up, whether you grew up in Scarborough, East York, some other place, how much you make, that God loves each and every one of you because you are an image bearer of God. And that image, as we said, has been distorted, but we are called to the greatest commandment of love God and love our neighbors. Now that loving our neighbors is difficult sometimes. This is one of the best ways that we show that we are God's image bearers. We're commanded to do this. Now, as as we you know we can say these things. Probably a lot of us in here, uh, as you hear me speaking, you agree that humanity is created in the image of God and is therefore um, priceless. It has great worth. But where does the rubber hit the road on that? Right. As in, we're not even going to the deep end yet, but just thinking about, you know, you're at your dinner table and you get a knock on the door and there's a guy there trying to sell you a furnace, right? Or a rental hot water tank or they're trying to get a donation for something or they're there and uh, Bell was just in the area and they want to know who your internet service provider is. And in your mind, you're like, I don't have any time for this. And you curse them and you're mad at them, right? The reality is there's this big idea here that humanity is priceless because they're made in the image of God, but how does that play out in how we love each other? When when somebody disagrees with us, when our enemy doesn't agree with our stance on marriage, on gender, on beginning of life issues, on end of life issues in Canada for made medical assistance, uh, made medical assistance in dying. Um, How does our love for others of everybody being made in the image of God play out? Do we go, no, no, the image of God is here. And we curse that person. We're mad at that person. We speak down against that person. Well, James chapter 3 verse 9 in the New Testament says, With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. We curse them. It says, you know... You might not know this, but curses in the the Bible all the time are bad, right? Curses aren't good. Uh, It's saying we're cursing human beings. And they're made in the image of God. James is reminding us here that humanity, that all of us possess inherent worth because we're created in the image of God, which affects how we interact with them, with those we disagree with, when we are impatient. We are called the best way to show the image of God and that we value what God values. Now, we value these things because we are in right relationship with God, right? When we are in right relationship with God, he reorders our priorities and he helps us to see that human dignity comes from the fact that we are created in the image of God. Not everybody might see that in our world because they aren't in relationship with God. They're not pursuing him. They're pursuing meaning and other things. And so for us, though, being in right relationship, we're called to love those around us. This is one of the great ways that we show the image of God. Now, you know the famous passage of love. Love is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. Now, I'm going to tell you, when I was preparing this, I just had to stop at, like, the first three words. Because love is patient. I'm a father of four children. I'm going to tell you, I'm not patient, right? I fail in this. I fail when my children, um, who are children, are being children. I'm not patient with them. And oftentimes how I treat them fails to see that they are created in the image of God. And so this whole passage, though, that's just like one small thing. All of us, as we interact with those who see things differently than us, they can see things differently than us. That doesn't give us the right to treat them poorly. That doesn't give us the right to speak down against them or to speak down against their lifestyles or to, um, to defame them, to hurt them with our words. Scripture reminds us with that same tongue we praise our Lord and Father in heaven and with it we curse men. We are called to continue in relationship with God sharing the truth with people, but in grace. In grace, loving them and serving them and caring for them and telling them about Jesus. It doesn't change our stance on things because we've gone right back to how God has created things. So we need to reason with people. We need to talk to people. We need to pray for them. That God who is pursuing a right relationship with all people because all people have sinned. All of us, all are made in the image of God, but that image has been broken, and the only way that people will truly see that they are made in the image of God is if they give their life back to Jesus, if they put their hope and trust in what Jesus, the perfect image bearer, did for them, then they can see again how God has created them to live. They will then value human life from the point of conception to the point of death. They will value their neighbor. They will value the person at the grocery store, the person on the road. We will see each other and love them, not because love is great, but because God has made all people have value. He has made them in his image, and he does not want us to mar or wreck the image that he has created. He has called us to love him and to love others, and this is very difficult. And it's impossible without God, without being redeemed. So as I mentioned, God has created us as the pinnacle of his existence. Um, And because of this, it will open up our eyes to see that all people are created in the image of God. All people matter. That we don't become more focused on just our own world and our own achievements, but caring about all that God has created. Uh... Timothy Keller uh, says that in the Western world, the idea of the image of, that the whole, this idea of the uh, image of God and where we get dignity, where we get worth because we're created in the image of God, um, Timothy Keller says that the whole Western world has adopted, adopted this, this image. And when you do adopt this image, what happens is, if you believe in the image of God, the circles of protected life continue to expand so you would see all of creation as that all of human uh humanity as created in the image of god so the circles of protected life continue to expand that means we care about uh, children unborn children we care about which means we're opposed to abortion not because because we care about the image of god because all humanity is created in the image of god he says that Holding to the image of God, the circle of protected life expands. But if you don't believe in the image of God, if you only believe in capacities, and if you've looked at some of the, the arguments for abortion or um, medical assistance and dying, um, a lot of it comes down to capacities. What is somebody's capacity? They're, and we can talk on that for a long time. And some other uh, approaches He says that if we only believe in capacities and some other trumped-up approach to why we believe in human rights, instead of that circle continuing to expand of who we protect, it will continually contract and get smaller and smaller and smaller. And fewer and fewer people will be protected because we won't see them as maybe having the capacities or the things that have value in society in this moment. And so it gets smaller and smaller. And it goes down. So it's in crucial and important to see that God has created all people in his image. That he loves them all. The thinking of this, Timothy Keller also has a quote uh, in talking about just the, the sanctity of life. And talking about um, the image of God. He said, And talking about the, the right to life. Um, he says, that what if we took the image of God seriously? He says, regardless of the laws of the lands, and we know that in Canada you're allowed that, the, that it's legal to um, receive an abortion. He says, regardless of the laws of the land would say that abortion, except to save the life of a mother, is a violation of the image of God number one. But here's the important part for us, because many of us, not all of us, I realize in this room may agree with this. And the next couple of weeks are going to be difficult as we struggle with these things my encouragement to you is to come back next week as we continue in this series to listen to what god has said to listen to why we say that he has created you in his image don't just jump to the end of what society has said really weigh what god has said in his scriptures of why all um, humanity matters why it all has dignity why the Bible speaks into our relationships, our work, and all of these different things. I realize I'm up here, and so you can't necessarily heckle me right now, and I appreciate that. Um, but do be in discussion with us over this, over the next couple of weeks, over the next month. Longer than that. We are happy to discuss these things. This is not just, hey, I'm going to tell you how it is, and I'm going to walk off, and that's it. These are very very important things. They're foundational to how you see everything. They're foundational to how you love your, um, the people around you that God has placed. They're foundational to how you see the beginning of life, the end of life, and everything in between. And so wrestle with these with us. Don't just write them off because they sound different. And we are happy to hear your feedback. And so here's the, that first part of what Timothy Keller says, that regardless of the laws of the land, um, abortion would be a violation of the image of God. Here's the part that we need to put into our hearts, is that, and, is that this. Um, that's the number, one. the number one. The second one is this, that women who have had an abortion and the men who have helped them with abortions, if, if we have been made in the image of God and we take the image of God seriously, that women who have had abortions and men who have helped them have abortions would not feel like scum. Because James chapter 3 verse 9 says, you don't dispain, you don't demonize, you don't curse, you offer grace to everyone. So if we believe in the image of God and we say abortion is wrong, we wouldn't make fe- people feel like they, that had an abortion, feel like terrible scum. We wouldn't be single issue people over anything. We would care about the poor, the weak, the marginalized. We would care about all of these different things. We would care about the person, not just the issue. God says no to certain things because he has created people in his image. He values them. They are his image bearers. He is seeking to be in right relationship with us. The only way that is possible is when we yield our lives to Jesus, the perfect image bearer, the one who lived a perfect life, died for our sins and brought us back into right relationship with with him and the bible tells us constantly that we are being as christians we are being remade into the image of god he is changing us day by day so that we will be bringing him glory the image of god is foundational to all that we do as christians all that we do as human beings